This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Taking Care of Lady Business. It's been a while. We're in season two now, so it's all very exciting to meet all these new, amazing, impressive women. And today we have the amazing and impressive Aliza Licht. She is the founder and president of Leave Your Mark, and a amazing podcaster of a podcast. So I was on it once and it was awesome. Check hers out and an author as well. Hi, Aliza. Thank you for being here. Hi, on. Jennifer. It's so good to see you. And I love, I love that we're podcasting again because, you know, it's such quality time when you think about it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's like, like it's fun for us because we get to catch up. I also get to interview you and learn a lot more about you than I already know. And uh, also sharing it with all the people who are now back out there traveling and have need things to listen to. <laughs> yeah, we're excited. Thanks for having me. All right. So let's start with Leave Your Mark. What is it? And why does everybody need to listen to it? So Leave Your Mark is a couple things. I like to think of it as a multimedia brand in a way. So it is my book, Leave Your Mark, which is basically a virtual mentorship. Um, how to land your dream job, kill it in your career, rock social media, which stemmed from my former social media personality that I was back in the day called DKY PR girl in my former life as a publicist for Donna Karen. And that sort of snowballed into a podcast. So the whole idea is like freshly brewed career advice. So every Sunday, that's what I dish out. That's what you dished out when you came on, leave your mark. And it's also a community where I mentor um, young professionals. And then finally, and I guess the least sexy side of it is really my consultancy. So taking my marketing communications and digital experience that I've amassed over, I don't know, almost more than two decades now and bringing that to brands and now more so actually individuals from a personal branding perspective. So it's a whole mix of things, but I put it all in. with a common thread of like, consumer facing, right, with a brand, right? Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's it's consumer facing brands, but it's also us as people as brands, right? Yeah. So it's, it's how everyone presents basically to the world. So people come to you and say, make me a brand or how do I present? I mean, how does it work? Give us like a day in the life or a project, you know, for you so people can really understand. I think it comes down to storytelling, actually. Yeah. 
think, you know, at the end of the day, whether you are someone who doesn't know how to tell your own story or you're a company that's starting or you're a heritage brand that has sort of been around the block a few times and needs to get kind of tap back into why you started in the first place. All of those are connected by the narrative. And I think that's what drives me. And in later years, figuring out how to tell that story online um, through social media is really what I get excited about. Right. And what kinds of social media? All the kinds, all the kinds. I am pretty agnostic these days. You know, I started my social career, if you will, on Twitter. Yeah. Moved over Tumblr back in the day and Instagram, of course, TikTok. But I think LinkedIn is a hugely important platform now, too. And, you know, there's newness every day. But I think people and brands need to think about where their time is best spent because you can't be everywhere. And you, you know, content is, is a beast that can never be fed. Right. So you have to decide where and how you want to commit those resources. Well, let's go back a little bit. You referenced it a little bit, the DKNY PR girl. Like, so how did that start? Like, sure. So first of all, I spent 17 years working at Donna Karen. That was the bulk of my career after I left the magazine side of the business back in the late 90s. And I started in PR in accessories and had a very traditional publicist role. So that was working with magazine editors, working on fashion shows, doing celebrity dressing, all the things that sort of publicists did back then and and probably still do. And in 2009, we were sitting around a meeting, uh, marketing meeting, deciding, oh, there's this platform called Twitter, sort of like how we're doing now with like Be Real and I guess what we did with TikTok, you know, a couple of years ago, sort of thinking, okay, how do we embark on this platform? Like, how do we show up there? What does it mean? And because I was a publicist, I was like, well, we cannot have the handle be at Donna Karen because people will think she's tweeting and that's going to be a nightmare. And then who is writing that script? And it just becomes treacherous. So it was like high season, like Gossip Girl. And I was like, well, why can't it just be anonymous like Gossip Girl? Why can't it just be a character represented by a fashion sketch? And everyone was kind of like, oh, that's cool. Like, yeah, like, why do we need to say who it is? So we sort of presented this idea back to our boss, Patty, and she loved it. And then she's like, oh, you know, run it by legal. So we ran it by legal, which you can appreciate. And um, legal, love her to death, Lynn. She was like, okay, but only one person can have access to the Twitter handle. Aliza, only you can tweet. And I was like, okay, mind you, I had no idea what that even meant. I had never been on Twitter before. So I started like initiation by fire, you know, and sort of figured it out as I went and started to really pay acute attention to what really generated engagement and what generated engagement was telling a really great story. And that was the beginning. That was before Instagram. That was before we knew the word influencer. That was before other fashion brands were on social media in that way. So DKY PR Girl really does get the credit of being like one of the first in the space And then sort of was the first example of like someone other than like the spokesperson or a designer. I mean, this was a made up character that we put front and center to be able to use as a brand filter, really, to tell the other part of our brand story. So you were saying that um, it was trial by fire. Like what were the what were you finding? What was engaging to people? 
not selling anything. So very early on, I'm pretty allergic to sales as a general statement. Like I don't enjoy talking about prices of things. So even as a publicist, like I really try to focus on like the story or the inspiration for the season versus like, here's our new handbag for $4.95 or whatever it was. So I kind of set up these rules for myself where I decided that I really wasn't going to talk about buying anything. And I was going to tell the brand story through the lens of my job as a PR girl living in New York City. So really fly on the wall experience, which by the way, back then is 2009, like especially luxury brands, like no one really exposed behind the scenes in that way. And when I say behind the scenes, I mean, like when things were getting messed up, like, you know, it was Oscar season and I sent my gowns to LAX and LAX loses them all. Like that kind of sort of behind the scenes drama of like what really happens during award season from a publicist's point of view. No one was talking about that at the time. Mm-hmm. So telling that story um, allowed me to sort of immerse people in the brand without having to be like, and here's this dress that you can buy at Bergdorf Goodman. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's not interesting though, because it's like different kinds. So you can be real and get engagement, right. With you being in Twitter, but then everybody knows in Instagram, nobody wants to see everybody's real life, <laughs> <laughs> but they sure want to see it on TikTok. But they want to see it on TikTok and apparently be real, which is the whole name is supposed to be like that. But do people really, you know, so how do you do that? How do you, are you doing like five different strategies depending on what it is? It's like. Yeah. So it's a great question. So content made for the medium matters. Yeah. And because all of these platforms are having like, I don't even know if you can call it a midlife identity crisis, but they're all having identity crises. Um, essentially the video, the vertical video content that you're creating for TikTok works for Instagram reels, um, not vice versa. And I think at the end of the day, thinking about what works on the platform and modeling behavior is the way to win. Now, as far as be real is concerned, Instagram and TikTok both just copied that front and back camera you know, time of day that you can post something and be real. So, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen to that platform, but it's real tough to be in the uh, social media platform technology space right now. Yeah, I can imagine. Okay. So how long were you DKNY PR girl? I want to go back a little bit. Six years, but I did it as a side hustle to my day job. So I had my full blown, I was senior vice president of global communications And I did that whole job. And then there was this like second screen on my desk, sort of like my finance husband, where I was just like Twitter all day long. And I just, I loved it. It was a passion. It was an obsession, actually. That's so crazy. And like, you did so much for the brand. You know, I feel like the brand did so much for me in that sense, because because I was a senior sort of longstanding, you know, respectful employee they gave me such long bandwidth. Like I, I mean, what I was able to do without any oversight, it just wouldn't have been done at another company. Like they really trusted me. And that's why it was successful because it, you know, there was, it was total freedom with the mentality of, okay, I am a publicist. Like I do understand the boundaries, but still I got away with a lot. 
And then how long before people knew who you were? When were you exposed? <laughs> so I was anonymous for two years, which is crazy when you think about it. And the people who knew it was a very, very small group of people kept the secret. And then we sort of decided um, to, you know, reveal the person behind the Twitter handle. But more than that, what I found myself doing all the time was like tweeting career advice and like how to become a publicist or how to break into fashion. You know, that's where I really, you know, unintentionally dropped the breadcrumbs of what would eventually be my book. Right, right, right. Okay. And so that was it, that experience that led you to your book. Talk about that a little bit. I mean, I got a call one day, I was sitting at my desk and it was from this woman, Amanda, who was an editor at Grand Central. And she said, I follow you on Twitter. I read your blog. I think you should write a book. And I was like, that's really funny. Thank you so much. But no, I was like, I have two little kids. I have a full-time major job. Like, no, I cannot write a book. And she just stayed on me. And she was like, well, you know, in nonfiction, you could just write a short proposal and submit that and you can buy your book off that. And I was like, thank you, but no, thank you. And she just pushed me really hard and she won. So I did it. And then coming up with that and that name that launched your whole company and podcast. I mean, you can say how it happened, but it's like that became you, you know? Well, I would say that that makes it sound like I had this grand plan. So I definitely did not have a grand plan. I would say that I had my day job, which I very much, and I think people can relate to this, like I identified as my job. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah. Eliza from DKNY. Like that was part of my persona. And then I had a book and those were two separate entities. But when I left the company and you start to think of yourself like, oh wait, I don't have that big title anymore. I'm not part of LVMH. I don't have a big job. I don't have millions of followers you know, what's left. Mm -hmm. And I actually had to think long and hard as to what I wanted my personal brand to to stand for. So I used leave your mark really as a foundation and didn't have, you know, this big plan of like, I'm going to add all these things onto it. It was more like, okay, one step at a time. What do I want to do next? Okay. That makes sense. I'm going to add it on. I went in and out of consulting back to full-time roles over and over again before I realized that I should extend it into a podcast. So it definitely was, you know, a journey for sure. Right. I mean, and we have them, but that's what I love hearing about. I love hearing about these journeys. And I think it's so important for women to hear that too, because like you said, you started out as a traditional fashion PR publicist. That does not mean that that's what you have to be for the rest of your life, right? There's many twists and turns. Who would have thunk that you would be, you know, DKNY PR girl and a new medium social media that totally took off that then opened up other doors for you? You know what I mean? You never know what's around the corner. Um, yes. You know, following passions and being curious and staying open to new ideas, you know? Absolutely. And I think also like not waiting for things to be perfect is like another thing that I live yes. by because you know, so many people are like perfectionists and they're like, I'm going to make this whole plan. Like I didn't, I kind of was fly by the seat of my pants. Like I'm going to start a podcast. Oh, I don't know how to start a podcast. I'm going to Google it. Like you just sort of learn as you go, really. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. You learn as you go, you learn on job and that. And, you know, so many women are scared, like I have to be 100% prepared or 130% prepared. And it's just not possible. Like there's no way for you to get a promotion and do something that is new or start a business and be fully prepared. You know, I mean, the, you also have the things that you can't control, you know, pandemics, children, yeah. you know, things, all the things that, you know, you have to just be ready for life to throw at you. So I love hearing the stories of like the person who is like meant to be the expert still is like referring back to your book and be like, wait, what should I do with this? You know, it's like me, the lawyer and hiring a lawyer, you know, it's like, of course I have to hire a lawyer. I'm not going to negotiate for myself the same way, you know? Of course. Of course. Yeah. And I also think like by the time you figure it out all perfectly, like someone's done it. True. And maybe better. So it's like, you may as well like put your stake in the ground and be like, I'm here. I'm doing this now. Like you can join me, but like I'm here. Right. And that I, I sort of live by that. So tell me about then when you started the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I really thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was. I met with so many production companies. They all sort of said no. And they all wanted really like celebrity level talent with built in audiences. And I was pretty disheartened. I was like, God, I really thought I have like a legitimate best selling book. Like, wouldn't they want to work with me for my podcast? But the answer, Jen, is no, they would, did not want to. Um, and I, I was kind of like, I was done with my full time role at the time. I was at a different company by that time. And I was kind of like, am I going to let that stop me? Just because they said no, like, I'm going to be good at this. Like, I always wanted to be a talk show host, like my entire life. So I'm like, <laughs> this is my way of being a talk show host. And I can be on the air forever. No one can kick me off. Exactly. And, you know, I, I leaned on friends who had done podcasts and I leaned on Google and, you know, you figure it out. And of course, you know, you're on season two now. And it's funny because when I did season one, I had banked eight episodes and I'm like, I am so sitting back, relaxed. Now I have these eight episodes. I don't have to think about this, but you fly through that content. And then all of a sudden you're like lost your lead. And then it's like this hamster wheel. Like right. once you start, it's really hard to get off. Do you feel yeah. that way? Uh, yes. I like took a few months off from recording, but for me, it's like, I know that the women that I'm interviewing are so interesting. They're going to have so much to offer who is listening to this. And, you know, real, I started because this is real tactical advice that I don't do a lot of preparation because I already know what a women need to know and hear and learn. And, you know, we don't have enough, you know, women giving women advice and so there's just never enough, you know, you could be saying the same thing as somebody they interviewed next week and it'll still sound differently and resonate differently to somebody else. You know what I mean? I totally so, yeah, I like, uh, I don't know when I'd ever be able to run out of content when I'm just interviewing really women who their voices have never been heard as much. I mean, you just said it yourself. It's like you had a best-selling book and they're telling you that they're, you're not worthy of a podcast when I know a ton of people getting them left and right who have nothing to say. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is a fact. That is a fact. But yes. you know, it, I think that's a great point. It's like, who makes those decision makers the ultimate decision makers? I think at the end of the day, you decide if that is yeah. the ultimate decision. Yeah. 
Yeah. And look, I mean, how do we, what do we do with our content is the other thing. It's like, do you want your content to teach you something to inspire you? Like, look, I, you know, I love Beyonce to death. I worked with her. I can never be her. What, you know what? Like I can read one interview with her a year. That's it. It's not going to do anything for me. It's just going to distract me. And then sometimes, you know, for some people depress you, it's like, wow, I really like, there's just no, you know what I mean? It's like, you want to be a successful woman in, And so it's like, I want to be around people who are like me that inspire me because I know that I can do it. Like, you know, I'm not, I mean, I think in a funny way, but the podcasting is almost selfish because it's like who you want to connect with, what you want to learn and who you want to surround yourself with. But it's true. And I think, you know, you said it before, it's like that tactical advice. I mean, that's also, you know, one of the things that I really strive for and leave your mark because when you do hear Beyonce, or you do hear these very, you know, unbelievable people's stories, it's hard to relate because you're not going to be Beyonce. Like we're not going to be Beyonce. So then what's the learning there? So I I do agree. Yeah. And for us to like really elevate each other, that's what it's going to take, right? Understanding each other's um, journeys for sure and get advice. So on that, because so many people are trying to figure out women and, you know, female founded companies and women like, do I need to be a brand? If I have a brand, am I also supposed to be the brand? And is that, you know, mudding waters? And, you know, how do you make these determinations? Like, what is, you know, what is this? It's like, it's so easy for you, but it's like, how do people analyze when they deserve your time even, you know? <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's easy for anyone, but I will say this. I am a firm believer in there is no such thing as professional versus personal. So if you are someone who engages on social media, if you speak to people in the world, if you show up in an office, if you have meetings, you are one person. You already have a personal brand. We all have personal brands the thing to decide is how you impact or don't, right? Mm -hmm. So I always like to think of it as like, what do people say about you when you enter a room? What do they say about you when you leave? You know, what impact are you making? So at the end of the day, it's like, we all have choices. We decide who we are friends with. We decide what causes we align with. We decide what we want to talk about and get behind. We decide what we don't. All those choices make up your personal brand. So when we talk about founders and, you know, people who want to, you know, be entrepreneurs or start companies or even someone who has a corporate job, at the end of the day, like, are you your brand? I think you are because no one is going to speak about what you do better than you mm-hmm. if you properly plan for it. And it's not easy to do it. And a lot of people feel like a deer in headlights when they talk about it. But if it's something that you are passionate about, like when you start a company, like you're usually solving a problem that you're innately familiar with, right? That's usually like, especially female founders, they're usually solving something that actually was an issue for them. So I think, you know, again, going back to storytelling, like authentically sharing why you started something or why you believe so strongly in a mission, like that's really powerful. So yes, I do think they should be one and the same. And I think, you know, when it comes to personal, like we all are in control of what we put out for public consumption, right? So if you're a well-known person and you don't want paparazzi following you around with your kids, don't post your kids on social media. 
Like don't put them out there for consumption. It it seems like stupid, but it's, you become fair game. And I think for regular people, you know, there can be boundaries. You don't have to share every single thing on social media, but share the parts that make you human and share the parts that will maybe inspire others to come along on your journey. Right, right. Well, let's say somebody is though a brand, like let's take away, right? You know, two female founders, should they also be posting on their own? Is that like part of, you know what I mean? Should you parse it out like that? Like how, how is something like that when you're a company like that? I believe they should because plenty of founders get fired from their companies. Right. So if you are the brand on one account, you might not be one day. I mean, I'll never forget. I mean, this is dating myself, but you'll remember like when Grace Mirabella got fired from Mirabella magazine, like literally her name is right. the name of the magazine. Yeah. You know, so so you can't depend, you can't depend on protection from your company. So I think that there's going to be cross-pollination and there should be synergy. But yes, you should you should stand your first name and your last name should mean something regardless of the company you work at or own, period, end of report. Right. Got it. So what are the things that you see other than what we just discussed, people and or, I mean, women in particular, like what do you see things that they are not doing properly or, or correct or advice for them that they could up their game in leaving their mark? So there's two extremes that I see right now. One is, and I'm actually doing a boot camp on this in the community in a couple of weeks. One is where they don't realize that their social media can impact their role. So if you work at a company, it's really easy to think like, well, this is my personal personal social media and I don't own that company. I just work at that company. So what I say on my personal social media should not affect my standing at that company. Right. But in fact, it does. And we've seen over and over again, people get fired or in severe trouble for things that they post on social media. So that's really one extreme. Everything you say or do on the internet, I tweeted this last week, is written in a Sharpie. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, no, it's so true. It can be used against you. That's one extreme. The other extreme is... Too many women wait for someone to notice that they're really good at what they do. Right. And that is a surefire way to have promotions and opportunities handed to other people. Like you need to be able to speak about the value you add. Right. Right. Yeah. It's the whole thing about women not really bragging. I had Cindy Gallup on here and she was, I want women to bullshit because when they're bullshitting, they're not even probably bullshitting and they're never going to bullshit as much as men do. And like, she goes on and I'm totally paraphrasing it. And like I we know, put I it in a TikTok and it has like hundreds of thousands of views because of it, you know? <laughs> She's amazing. You know, she, she also evolved to be that confident, right? And I think that's the other thing. It's like, just because you are one way now doesn't mean you can't learn True. That's an amazing point. People always say like, how do you have your confidence? And I was like, I'm not confident every day. Today I was like tired. I wasn't confident. I was like, oh, you know, it's like every, you know, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. Everyone feels like that, male or female. 
everybody feels like that at times. And after a while, given experience, it's the one, you know, great thing. I mean, there's a lot of great things with aging, but it's like getting older is like your experience, like what you can think of and make decisions on, on a dime would take you, you know, weeks and months, you know, years ago. And these are things that you get from experience. And so, and confidence also being, you know, one of them and confidence in your convictions and what you want to stand for and create the life you want to create for your children and world you want to leave for them. You know, these are things that like the older you get, the more you're like, this is who I am and I want purpose in my life. You know, absolutely. I mean, experience. And I would say also track record. I feel like when you yeah. are, when you've sort of done something really well before and you hit that point where you're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. It's like reflecting back on, well, that time that you did really well or somebody else did it really well where you can model that behavior. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like everyone is just trying to figure it out. Like there's nobody who has this all solved, right? Exactly. So it's like, we're all making the smartest decisions we can based on the knowledge we currently have. All right, exactly. And, you know, any other circumstances that are in the way, right? Yeah, <laughs> totally. So tell us that you have a boot camp. Tell us about that. Tell us how people can learn from you. Yes. So on my website, elizalick.com, there's a lot of navigations, but one of them is community. And this was something that I, this was not even my idea. A lot of the things I do are not my ideas. Like there, there were people who are much smarter or see things in my orbit that I don't even see. And this particular idea came from someone who DM me on Instagram. Her name is Eliana Meyer. And she was just like, I feel like there's like a whole generation of women who didn't really leave your mark. Maybe we're too young for DKY PR girl, but like would really benefit from this. And my passion has always been mentorship. So I was like, well, how can I find these people and like bring them together? So it's really like a way for me to mentor at scale and also bring in like really kick-ass women who are just like really trying to leave their own marks and network with each other. So it's, you know, it's people who are probably within the first 10 years of working and it's, you know, it's a private community. It's not on social media, but it is on its own app. So it's a really safe space. And I think that that really creates an environment where people feel comfortable to like really talk about stuff they're going through professionally and, and have other people weigh in. I weigh in, of course. And then, of course, you know, I'm there as a DM away for anything, you know, one to one that needs to happen. But it's something, I mean, I really enjoy it. And I, I've been doing, since the pandemic, I've been doing a lot more live mentorship classes. I just did one on the resume master class last week with two of my good friends who are uh, executive recruiters, Christy Hurt and Megan Hool. And I think, I don't know, it's, it's the same reason you're doing this. It's to share and pay forward like everything that we've learned and to just abolish gatekeeping because yeah. that's really at the end of the day, I think what we're all trying to do. Look, this is our version of um, fantasy football. And, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like the ways that men engage from small boys. As I see it in my son versus my daughter, like they're all on playing Roblox and on FaceTime together. And they're sharing information. They're talking about stuff. They're talking about in their different, like in real life sports and they play a fantasy football league and they do all this stuff where it's like, they're constantly sharing information while, you know, girls and women are like taking care of stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, it's enough. Like we're not going 
to bridge that wealth gap, which is really, I think, is the important thing. The pay gap is obviously, but that's because the patriarchy controls it. But the matriarchy, if we build that and close the wealth gap, then we have real power and real say over ourselves, our families, our autonomy, you know, everything on a global level. And so, you know, being able to do that and share this information is super important. So yeah, it's our fantasy football league. (laughs) I love it. And I'm the least athletic person ever. So I'm glad that ours requires just talking. (laughs) Well, it's what we like to do. We like to share information. We just often like, I'm sharing it about like the best, you know, hairstylist or the best nanny or, you know, where, whatever it's like, let's share our business tips. Right. And that, and I know so many women and brand, like that is such a huge thing for women to really want to understand. So if they want to find you, they go on to, they can go on to elizalick.com or on Instagram, elizalick.xo, LinkedIn. I mean, I'm literally every channel you're on, I'm there and you know, yeah, reach out. There's a lot of ways to get in touch. Amazing. You've been so awesome. Um, I know that you have other things to do, so we will let you go. However, there is one question I ask everybody on this podcast, and that is, what is the worst advice you've ever received? (laughs) I love it. The worst advice I've ever received. Such a good one. Well, I think that let's start with who's the messenger of the advice, right? I think when people are asking other people for advice, you first have to be really careful with who you're soliciting from because not everyone has your best interest. So generally speaking, when I sort of suss that out, if someone tells me not to do something, I pretty much know that I need to do it. Because (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think in general, if, you know, if someone, if you find yourself, if you find yourself sort of your parade being rained on a lot, you kind of have to ask yourself, like, what is the intention of that person? Yeah. And I think, you know, if you have great ideas, like run with them, like don't squash them. Don't let yeah, someone yeah, yeah. squash your ideas. So that's what I would say. No, no, no. I agree. I a hundred percent agree. That's actually kind of that. That's all Jay-Z. It was always Jay-Z's motto. It's like, oh, they're going to tell me not to do it. I'm definitely doing it. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. You to, yeah. You have to, and you know, you have to think about who's giving you this advice. I had a young woman on here. She was a chess champion. She's just graduated from college. And she was like, really wants to be in politics. And every male politician she works for said, oh, honey, you don't want to run for office. Why don't you be the person next to it? You don't want to do that. It's like, oh my God, it's still happening at 22. Just FYI. Um, not surprised. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. All your amazing sage advice. Everyone check thank her you. out. Just told you where to find her. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And for everyone listening, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Justice. Thank you so much. Thank you.